This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. Today, I get to have on one of the funniest guys on TV. One of the guys that if you watch movies, you will realize that he's been in a million things. But it wasn't until I watched the George Lopez show in the early 2000s that I realized how many places and how many movies, TV shows I had seen my guest in. Whether it was Mad About You, The Golden Girls, Growing Pains. Hell, I even saw the guy in an episode of ER. But obviously everyone knows him as Ernie from the George Lopez show, my friend, Valente Rodriguez. How are you, Valente? Hey, ¿qué pasó, Sergio? I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing well. How's Jersey right now, eh? Está frío, está frío. Always cold here, man. Always <laughs> cold. I, listen, to be honest with you, wasn't that cold today, but you know, you know, but if, over the weekend, it was freezing. You're a Texas guy born in the, in the late 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, early, uh, 64. 64. 64. Okay. When... When did you take me through the, the the entire process here of how a kid from Texas ends up being an actor? Was it something you aspired? Walk me through the, you know, the chronology of this. Well, it gets even stranger than that. Okay. Okay. I was born, I was born in South Texas, a little town called Ed Couch, live right next door in a little town called Elsa, 10 miles north of the border, down there by McCollum and Harlingen. Hey, I, I have a friend that lives a, in McCollum. It's, it's, there's a lot of people down there. It's, it's growing like crazy. But a lot, but back there in, in, in the 60s, in the middle 60s, it was poor and it was a lot of cotton, a lot of agriculture. So I was born into a, ma- a family of migrant farm workers. We traveled all around the state, all around. We went to Florida, Ohio. We were in Michigan. We were in North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington State, Oklahoma, California, all over. Wherever there was work, manual labor out in the field, we did it. We picked it. We planted it. All that kind of stuff. So, I'm the youngest of eight. I'm the first one to graduate from high school, let alone go on to college in my family because of that particular lifestyle that we were living. But my older brothers and sisters couldn't go to couldn't go to school. They were getting pulled out to go to work. Blah 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 blah. Anyway, uh, born in Texas, I just gay. I had to play football in high school. Right? Now I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I did know what I didn't want to be anymore when I got to about 15 and figuring out that the life we were living was a, an extremely poor. I had an outhouse, didn't have a phone, that kind of stuff. Correct. On food stamps, on government welfare, all of it, all of it we qualified for all of it. We were living below the poverty line. So I thought at 15, and for whatever reason, my mind was a little quicker than most, maybe because of the migrant lifestyle, because you have to adjust so fast. So I thought, I'm going to do good in school. I'm going to be, what's the richest thing I can think of of being? And at that point, to me, it was a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. So I was going to, I was going to school. I started playing football my sophomore year. I was getting prepared to be a lawyer. I was getting all the things to get into college. And then a hurricane hit, and we were practicing on a blacktop, and I hurt my knee. Mm-hmm. I'm little, I'm never really going to go very far in the football world, but at this point, what ends up happening is all the time I'm spending on sports, the practice, the all, you know, the two hours of running, blah, blah, blah. Now I have all this time open. One of my teachers says, you want to be a lawyer? 
get more into this, get, get into UIL, do persuasive, do debate, but, you know, make your resume. I start doing that. Long story short, in high school, a teacher puts me in, the, in one of the plays. It's the first play I've ever done. I went, oh, my God. Wow. I think, I think I don't need to be a lawyer. I think I want to be this. And I was taking the safe route, not understanding that, because I didn't even know about being an actor at that point. Correct. Well, think about it. At that age, now what year was this? This was 1980. Okay. 1980 when all of this stuff was going on, yeah. Think about that. In 1980, as a Hispanic, Mm -hmm. Que Pasa USA might have been the only show that we could ever think back that's exactly right. Unless you're watching the novelas and uh, and all that stuff. Remember, right? I think it was right? Stephen Bauer was on it, who obviously most yes. people would recognize yes. as Manolo in Scarface. Yes, like that's exactly right. Years later, that's exactly right. So, and so, so now I got no time, brother. I got, I mean, I got all this time, and I jump into this other thing, and I finally find theater because a, a, a teacher pushed me into it, and I get to the to university. And in university, at, the, at college, and I went down there, uh, Pan American University, I was fortunate enough to be in a small school, so I got on stage a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. And then by the time I came out of there, I'm like, I'm 23, 22 and a half, 23. I got a ton of, ton of theater experience. Man, I must have done 50 shows. Crazy, crazy experience. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to teach it. Wouldn't it be better if I went out, got some experience? And then I could come back and say, this is what the book says, but this is what I found. So on this crazy hair up my butt, I'm like, Vamonos los Angeles. Vamonos. So everybody around me was like, yeah, okay. You'll be back in like three months. There were a couple who were like, no, brother, you can do it, man. You go, you go, you go. But most of them were, you'll be back. You'll be back. And then I got here and I got four jobs because I want to pay bills. Working as a video store, working as a carpenter, working as a telemarketer. And, and, and oh, uh, delivering packages. <clears throat> Four months in, I walk into a, I walk into a, we had a one-act play that somebody submitted. This, this, this story gets even shorter. What one-act play somebody had submitted, there are five rounds to a competition. I'm in it. The third round, I'm walking home afterwards. This lady behind me says, young man, excuse me. And I turn around and says, yes, ma'am. She says, you were marvelous in the play tonight. Um, uh, sad news is your play is not advancing because it wasn't good enough, hmm. but you're marvelous. Here's my card. She gives me a card. I put it in my pocket. I'm all depressed. I go home. I haven't looked at the card. Next morning, I look at the card. Card said, Fran Bascom, head of casting at Columbia. And she had said, give me a call. And I'm like, what? So I give her a call. She says, come in. I go take a meeting with her. <clears throat> not knowing anything, man. I just got here, right? And she goes, and this is back in this day. She goes, you got a headshot? I go, yeah. She goes, let me see it. I'm going to fax it to some of the people that I know. This is back <laughs> when we're still faxing. I'm going to fax it to some people and some agents. She faxed it to an agent. I walked into the agent's office. Agent said, I can't represent you. I don't have a card, but I'll talk to you. We talked five minutes. I'm leaving. She has an old video video cassette recorder, an old one, old one, a big box one. Yep. I, I say, I got three minutes worth of theater stuff that I done. That's just shot at the back of the house. It's, you know, it's, it's nothing great, but could you look at it? 
And if I could just really be honest with me, if I suck, I'm really bad, just tell me and I'll just go home. This will be the end of it. I just need somebody to tell me I'm bad, right? Or I'm really sucking. She smiles a bit. She says, leave it there. The very next morning she calls. She says, I looked at the tape. Um, I can't sign you, but I'll represent you temporarily. Let me send you in a couple of things, see what you do. The first thing she sent me out on, a movie called Salsa the Motion Picture. I got it. I booked it. Eight weeks on it, man. Hey, those are paychecks. Those are paychecks at that time. Now, let me tell you, it's not a very good film. I got to confess to you and to your audience. Pero, check it out. The soundtrack is amazing. It's got Tito Puente. It's got Celia Cruz. Dude, if you find it in like the 25 cent bin that wherever your shopping center is, buy it. Because it's worth it just for the music. Um, But that was the very first thing. And then from there, it just, kind of rolled. I found a theater company. I, I started more acting. I did, you know, I landed a golden girls and this and that. And I did more plays. I was staying in plays. I did a lot of children's shows traveling all over the state of California. I even went to Russia in, in 90, um, doing a children's show. So, and then the TV started hitting a little more and then more movies and more movies. And then about 15 years in, is when I get the script to the George Lopez show. And I don't, I don't want to advance to the George Lopez show just yet because I, I want to tell you that I do remember you on Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you in two movies, but one in particular that I actually have seen a couple of times. I remember uh, you in Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah, about the local forever, cousin. Yep. And I remember you playing Chucho's friend in Mi Familia. Mi Familia, Isai, brother. Isai, yeah. Isai Morales was there. I um, Was Jimmy Smith? Yeah, right, Jimmy Smith. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Smith was one of the leads. Yeah, everybody was in that thing. Yeah, Mike. Marie, there's a scene in there where I'm, somebody, this woman is dancing and somebody tells me that she's going to be a nun. And I, are we, can we say adult words? On the yeah, road? you could say whatever you want. So the line is, a, uh, uh, a nun what a waste. What a fucking waste. I say, I'm looking at it. that woman who's dancing. That's Constance Marie. That woman's going to be Angie Lopez in the George Lopez show in 10 years. Was JLo in that movie? JLo, uh, JLo, I believe JLo had a little scene, but yeah. I wasn't in those scenes. They were, they were later on, I think. Correct. Correct. And I know Michael DeLorenzo was there too. He had done, uh, yeah. Uh, and he the, the 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 cop show. What was the the New York Undercover? Yeah. Yeah. That was. Uh, yeah. 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 That was. Well, that, in those movies, when those movies get done, all all the freaking Latinos come out, man. Yeah. All man. the Latinos come out, and and because they're not that many, and so yeah, and that everybody was, wants to be a part of it. And that's the segue that I want to get into. And then after that, obviously, you did Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones and Don uh-huh, Cheadle. Yeah. Right, you did yeah. Deep Blue Sea. I I don't yeah. think I missed Deep Blue Sea. I saw you in the, in the helicopter. <laughs> well, you must have been paying, you must have slowed it down into like super slow mo because man, if you're not paying close attention, you'll never see me. You'll never <laughs> see me in that movie. I'm where the shark jumps out of the water somewhere in there. <laughs> so then, 2002 comes around, and the George Lopez. You get the script for the George Lopez show. Did you know George yeah. leading into no. this? No. I'd seen him on TV. I'd seen some of his stand-up on TV, uh, but I'd never... And this was also before internet, really. I mean, it was already around, but not nearly the way it is right now. 
and the streaming and you go into YouTube and you could find whatever you want right now. Correct. It wasn't like that back then, right? Not as much, not nearly as much anyway. But uh, no, I hadn't. I, I didn't know him. And when I first got the script, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Because first of all, it's a sitcom. You don't see Latino sitcoms. I hadn't seen any Latino, Latino sitcoms. Oh, Pasa and, USA and, is the only one that I could remember. Well, exactly. Remember, exactly. And that, was, and, and, then, and that had been 20 years earlier. Yeah. Or singular Latino, como Pretty Prince, or whatever, on, on, on particular shows. But, but, but the script, I'm like, man, this is really, really good. And, and then secondly, the, the character itself, I'm like, I can, I can, this is exactly what I do. I'm the best friend. Mo, you know, that's the character I played back then. I'm, I'm the best friend. And I was a little rounder, a little chunkier. And so then uh, I, I went in, I went in seven times for that thing. Um, um, so, which is a lot more than, than usual, but I went in and, and, and it kept getting, you know, the, 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 the people around kept getting smaller and smaller. The other actors, the other actors kept getting smaller. That crowd kept getting smaller, but the crowd you're performing to keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. First, it's just the casting director, then the casting director and the, and the, and one of the producers and the casting director, the producer and the star and then, and then the studio. And then the, and by the end, the seventh audition. I walked into a room that probably I walked into a room that probably had about probably sat about a hundred people maybe, and there were maybe 130, 140 people in the room. There were people standing on the side and stuff like that, and there was just two of us left. And uh, they go, "Are you ready?" I say, "Yeah." I turn my back to the audience. I turn around before I even say anything. They're laughing already. They're already laughing. And by then, I'd already done it for somebody six times. And coming from the theater world, I'd rehearsed it backwards and forwards, jumping in the middle, going this, changing lines, you know, doing all those things that you do as an actor. And so I was totally, totally confident on the, uh, you know, on the stage. And, and it showed, I guess, because by the time I got home, on the way home, they called me and told me, yeah, you got it. You got the part. And, but I didn't, I didn't know how big it was going to be. That was almost like Blood In, Blood Out. I, I, yeah. You know, Blood In, Blood Out has been so huge. And I'm going to go do, um, I think I'm doing a Comic-Con in Albuquerque uh, in June, um, all just on Blood In, Blood Out stuff. So, it, it, well, and, that, and that was going to be my next question. You know, did you guys know where this was going to go? Was there any type of, because part of you had to say, okay, how is a Spanish sitcom going to take off? Because, right. like we said, Pasa USA was in late seventies, mm -hmm. early, early eighties. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But the black sitcoms, when they got all the 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 Cosby Show in the eighties, mm -hmm. it almost opened the door for then everything to hit. Martin hit right. everything right. hit, but right. nothing had hit in it, to the Spanish audience. Was right. that part of what you thought, man, I don't know if this is going to work. And now it's going to be on a network because if you remember, well, Kepasa USA was on PBS. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't like on a yeah. regular network. Yeah. Well, the thing about it was that I'd already seen. So like every 10 years, there's another Latino wave in Hollywood. So I'd already seen the first wave when we were doing those, all those gang movies, you know, and Mi Familia and all those movies that were almost 10 years earlier. Correct. And now here, here it is again. But like you're saying, this time it's coming down the, 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 the big freeway, right? We're not on the side road anymore. Now we're in the big freeway. We're in the show, right? Um, 
what I thought was going to be what I thought why I thought it was going to be successful was because it was such a fresh look at family life because that's all it is it's a family show but it's a fresh look with a with a, with a with a a different attitude and a different culture um, and so that's why I thought it was it would be successful why I thought it might not have run as long as it did and I still think we probably should have had at least one more year was because once we started I think we were on a different night every single year. We never had the same night. So we never, we could never build the same audience like that. We were going up against, you know, Monday night football. We were going up against uh, survivor. We were going up against the voice. We we're going up against these huge, huge shows um, and still holding our own really. But it, it, when we started, it was us three years in, there was, um, from Tucson, there was Brothers Garcia, there was like Resurrection Boulevard, there was something else. By our sixth year, all those other shows were gone as well. And so that just goes to show you that we get an opportunity, we get a window, but man, if you don't hit that window, it, 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 it's gone for another 10 years, right? And the problem there is that we don't have the bullpen, man. We might have the starting pitchers, but we don't have the bullpen, correct, correct. right? And unlike the, the, the black community that has these phenomenal, phenomenal entertainers, I just did a year and a half ago, I did a, a Dad Stop Embarrassing with Jamie Foxx, who's just over the top talented, right? And there's a lot of these kinds of people. We don't quite yet have that in our Latino community for, for whatever reason, either because we haven't had the, um, the exposure that they have had or, or, or we haven't had... Um, the, the, the community and the unity to speak as one and, and demand it. Um, we're not as savvy yet, but, but we're there, we're moving there. And so, yeah, to go back to your question, part of me thought it was going to be a real big success. Part of me thought, Oh man, this is going to be really hard, but I never doubted the writing and the writing was good from the very beginning. And when you got Bruce Helford, Robert Borden and Sandra Bullock and George Lopez, all together in one room in a show, uh, writing this stuff, it, it was just over t the top so good, man. There were shows that would make me cry and laugh at the same time, you know, within five minutes of each other. How and then the cast, the leader was phenomenal. How And I want to get to the cast members in a sec. Mm -hmm. How Was there a lot of ad-libbing? Because I got to imagine <laughs> it's got to be hard to act with George. <laughs> it's so easy to act with George, brother. It's completely opposite. Okay. So let's, let's, let's make this a sports analogy, okay? Let's say you are, let's say you are, uh, let's say you're Derek Jeter. Correct. Right? You're a shortstop, yeah? You want to turn to double play. Who do you want at second base? I want Robbie Alomar. You want the best MF out there, That's right? right. That's right. Because with him, all you got to do is do your part. And that guy's going to turn it like that. Just get him the ball and he'll turn it. Just get him the ball and he'll turn it. And the other way around as well, right? Sometimes I got to cover it. Sometimes he's throwing it to me. That's what you want. You want to be with the best because then you know, if it ain't working, it's my fault. And I got to bring it. I got to bring it up. I got to bring up my, my, my game, whatever it is. But in all honesty and not bragging too much, he and I always work. Our energy was always good for whatever reason. We hit it right. 
we're in the, we're all on the same wavelength and we just played and there were some did we ever lab live oh my god you should see the outtakes and there were shows where we had like a 22 minute show and then we had like five seven minute uh laugh uh uh track the, it, the show was made seven minutes longer because of how long the people in the audience laughed because we would do a live show Listen, and so usually said, what would happen, Sunday, uh, and I don't mean to cut you off, but you said something no, no, no. in an episode one time that, <laughs> that I had to, I had to pause it and, and laugh. And every time that I watched this episode, I wait for this line. There was an, it was an episode when you guys, you were trying to, I guess they were trying to close the plant and right? you said, I'm going to be the, the lone wolf. And he says, well, how are you going to be? No, he says, I'll be like a pack of wolves. He says, but you're by yourself. How are you going to be alone? How are you going to be a pack if you're by yourself? Oh, my God. That scene always stays with me. I, I love it. I And no matter how many times I watch that episode, the look that he gives you was just phenomenal. It was. There's a there's a there's a scene when uh, Danny Trejo and. Uh, Oh my God! I'm forgetting the brother's name right now. They come in to fix the garage. Yes, and uh, after the after the fire, fix, after the fire. Yes, and I'm there sweeping, and they, you know, they come in. They're the professional help, and uh, and at the I leave the scene. I go, you know what? Forget it. I'm out of here. Right? I'm out of here. And we did that one like seven or eight times because I kept ad libbing as I walked out. One time I was like, I'm out of here. You know what? Don't even call me anymore. I'm not even sharing my Cheerios with you anymore. And, you know, blah, 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 all the way out. And I kept cracking George up. So eventually he goes, dude, just be quiet, man. I'm not going to be able to, <laughs> to do the scene if you don't be quiet. Just say your line and get out. But if you look at him, even in the, in the take that made it, you'll see him smiling as I'm walking out. Because <laughs> sometimes we would just give each other looks. While we're doing the scene, we'd just give each other looks and we'd, you know, we'd start we'd start laughing or, or, or giggling because of, because of something we had said backstage. But, but, but the freedom of that man is, it's just like, it's, it's like any, it's like, unlike anything else you would think because you're thinking, okay, they're going to be nervous. There's a camera here, are the lights, there are the people, but no, it becomes so insular. It becomes, you don't even hear them anymore because you're, you're right here with that other person. Um, and then, and then you just, you go, you just go. Um, you know, the show did so well, but ironically, mm -hmm. it became huge in syndication. See, and that's the thing that, that, oh my God, you know, as good as you guys were while the, the while it was live between, you know, Oh two and right? seven, uh -huh. the show is so huge in syndication that my kids who weren't even alive when yeah. it started now yeah. watch it. They love it. Uh, I mean, everybody watches the George Lopez show. It's a beautiful thing, man. It is so beautiful. And, and, you know, um, um, off, off, uh, earlier you were asking me about, you know, people recognize me and, and, and how that went. And the beautiful thing about it is, yeah, they do. But the beautiful thing is that they recognize me as Ernie, man. And so it's all love. It's all love. It's Ernie, you know, an innocent, beautiful character. So they're always coming up to me like, oh, Ernie, man, give me a hug. I want to take a picture. And that's the most beautiful thing because, you know, you and I do the same thing. We sell Coca-Cola. We sell Clorox. We, we, at the base of our business is sales, right? We're selling the right. advertising people, that kind of stuff. 
But when you can actually do a show and talk about things that matter, and then later on in life, somebody comes up to you and goes, man, I was having a hard time that one time and I saw your show and I laughed. It didn't fix my problems, but I laughed for a little bit and you took my mind off it. Then you're thinking, okay, I made, I did make a difference. I didn't just sell Clorox. I did make a little bit of difference in somebody's life. And that's, that's really what we're all here for, I think. I'm going to throw some names at you from the cast. Give me a little something oh, yeah. that you remember about each one. Speak to me okay. about Constance Marie. She's, you know, she played obviously Angie on the show, George's wife. What do you remember about acting with her? <clears throat> Constance Marie, you know, you were saying about who, who, who has a hard job. I think Constance Marie had the hardest job on that show because most of her stuff, it was her and George all the time. Right. So she, she had a really tough because she's got to play against that. And she's playing the straight man most of the time. Beautiful, beautiful person, beautiful physically as well as, 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 uh, you know, Oh, you were in, in love character. with her on the show, right? Oh my God. <laughs> totally. I'm in love with her in real life. And even, and even better looking and, and, and a much more beautiful soul in, in person as well. Uh, very giving, uh, very, uh, just the kind of individual you want to know your whole life. You know, you want to grow old with. Unfortunately, I'm already married. So, Limol Constance, I know you love me too. <laughs> you can't have me anymore. Speak to me about Luis Armand. He played uh, George's son on the show. Oh, my God. Louis and I used to go raid the bacon, but we got so bad. So, on, on TV shows, they have what's called craft service or catering, whatever. Yep. And they put all kinds of food and it's always there for whenever you're hungry. So they'd have like this whole, I don't know, 10 pounds worth of cooked bacon. And every time we'd go by there, we'd braid the bacon so much so that Louis got a problem. He went to the doctor and he got a problem. He was eating too much bacon. So they had to put us no more bacon. We had to take Louis away from the bacon. And Louis now is, I think he's probably about a three or four handicap golfer. He's really? a really good golfer. Yeah, he learned it. I think George taught him to golf on that show. And now he's a really good golfer. I think he's living in Montana. What about Maciela? You know, she eventually ended up, and she played, just so, so everybody who's listening, she played George's and Angie's mm -hmm. um, daughter on the show, and she ended up leaving the show. One, tell mm -hmm. me something about her. And two, was, the, was it different once she left, like, to, to just like, they've basically wrote off the character, you know? Yeah. That, that, uh, some of those choices are uh, beyond me. I don't, you know, I'm not part of that. Uh, the, the, the real the people who make the, the, the choices in that way. But, um, Maziela had a really, really cool energy. Um, the cool thing about her was that, you know, it brought in that, that the boyfriend energy and the father daughter relationship which I think as difficult as it was for both of them to play for both and uh, for both George and Maciela, I think though that that added even more so to their characters and to the awkwardness of some of those beats, because uh, I have a son, but I, I don't have a daughter, but I would imagine it's extremely hard for a, for a, for a dad to talk to his daughter about anything. Uh, but specifically about, you know, boys and, and some of the more adult topics. And so that's where I think actually some of the best scenes are between George and Maciela in the show. Are, yeah, they are, had are one in the car one time that was mm -hmm. really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, then afterwards, 
I think the sh- I think the show got a little older as well. And the kid, I mean, it, it had to because the kids were getting older, so we were following their lives as well. But with the characters that came in, um, uh, the 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 niece and then the other niece, um, I think the show was moving towards a little a little skewing a little older. Um, and it worked that way as well. It, it worked that way as well. Um, it was a lot of fun. Belita, Belita Moreno was so good. The, the, and obviously she played George's mom, but the, yeah. the timing in the, <laughs> in the back and forth that her and George had. I mean, she is in every facet of the word, a professional actress. Oh my God. You have no idea. Now she's from Texas. I'm getting. She's she, from Texas. Is she a Cowboy she fan also? I hope so. If not, we got to kick her out of Texas. <laughs> it's it. She, um, at first she didn't want to do it. She'd been on, um, oh my God, another sitcom with the, where the two guys were dressed as, was it the two guys were dressed as women to live in the all-women dorm? I don't see. She had had somehow a bad uh, experience, so she really didn't want to. But they talked her into it. and. Um, I mean, Rita Moreno auditioned for, I believe, for the lead in this show for, for that particular part. But I think Belita hit it right on the nose, man. She had the perfect, the perfect um, uh, meanness, and and you know, I'm doing this for your own good, kind of thing. There was one, there was one thing where there was a show where we're talking, George and her are talking, and, and they're talking about man, you're. You can never say you love me. You can never say I'm good. You can never be proud of me. And then she brought like this Mexican thing or the Latino thing about don't don't say that. Don't do that. Because the minute you look at something and say, oh, mira how pretty. Le haces ojo, right? Mal de ojo. Yep. Yep. Or the minute you, you say, ah, it's been going well, right? Well, I damaged an accident the very next day. Right? Ah, now I got cancer, whatever, right? <laughs> Somehow you, you jinx yourself, right? Don't jinx it. And, um, uh, but she had the, she walked that perfect line of, I love you, but guess what? It's going to be tough love. I'm going to teach you tough love because the world we're growing up in, or the world that she grew up in anyway, was a tough world. And if I don't make you tough, you're not going to survive. And if you don't survive, what's the point? What's the point to being kind? What's the point to being love? What's the point to all that? Now, that's the way she thought, which I understand that because of the way I grew up. Correct. You grew, poor is poor. The poor's got no color. You grow up really, really poor. You understand your first, the first thing you do is survive. You get through today. You worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And so it's once you get the opportunity to be able to move forward and, 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 and have more energy and be in a better place, then you can think about your surroundings and, and everything else. And that's the line that I think Belita walked in her love for George. And then the fact that she just wouldn't back down. She's just as strong as George is. You know, and that's what he needs. You, you know, your lead needs a, 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 somebody just as strong as he is to be able to bounce off of. Finally, speak to me about Emiliano Diaz. He's play, she, he, played, <laughs> he played Constance's dad. And let me tell you, man, he, the first couple of seasons, he wasn't really like on the show like mm-hmm. every day like mm-hmm. you guys were. But when he right. became a regular character, you know, I thought the show got a boost. Oh my God. I thought that was going to be the show. And then for a while I thought, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna take Emiliano and they're gonna spin him off into his own show, because this is so good. Uh, uh, you know, a, a heart surgeon who's rich, who's heartbroken, 
who's now going through women like a, like a carousel, you know? I thought, what a beautiful, what, that's a great show right there. It's the, when he came on the show, again, that energy kind of bumped up a bit. It's like we started getting, you know, you brought in the relief pitcher and the, your relief pitcher is even better. Now you got Mariano at that, you know, uh, 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 in the ninth inning, that's, right? That's your second Yankee reference. Are you a Yankee <laughs> fan also? <laughs> well, I, I love I love sports, and I love making the 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 connection between acting and sports because it, they're both a team game. They're both a team game, and in both of these, the way you make yourself better is you make your partner better. You you make your team better, you become better. You sacrifice for the team, the, the team becomes better. And only by doing that can the 11 of you or the nine of you or the five or the six of you transcend and achieve what you truly want to achieve, which is some kind of almost pure art, almost pure art form. Uh, because let me tell you, a beautiful double play, a beautiful triple play, a curveball that curves two and a half feet, it, 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 it takes 10 years worth of work in order to be able to accomplish something like that. So that sort of expertise, that sort of talent, you, you got to applaud it and you, you got to sit back and go, wow, look at, look at what human beings can do. I can't do that. I might not be able to make that ball curve like that, but look at what we can do, man. Look at the stuff that we can accomplish. Look at that dude that jumps off that thing and somersaults 17 times or whatever, you know, three and a half times and then goes in the <laughs> swimming pool without a splash. I'm totally into it, Sergio, and that's one of the reasons I love sports is because of that. Every now and then you see these moments that are just over-the-top amazing. You know, one of the coolest— And I love to talk again. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, you can talk all you want here. I got nothing but time. So, well, two more things, and then I'll let you go because I know you're, you're, you're busy as hell. And... Oh, we're good. We're good. What's going on? So one of the cool things was that, for me, was that I started watching— George's show with his daughter, Lopez versus Lopez. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I'm sitting there in like episode six or seven. All of you guys are on the show. Yeah. They brought us on. That was, that they was, that was really, that was really cool. So obviously well, you guys have remained close and friendly through, you know, through all this. Well, George and I, George and I golf. Now he's got, he lives on the, he lives in town and I'm on the East side. So, but we see each other probably three, four times a, a year as a, a golfing or, 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 you know, going out and having dinner with each other or something like that. Um, Belita, not so much because he's on the West side. Now Constance, I think is working with George right now. I think she's, she wants to move towards, towards directing. Um, we, you know, we, we should have had the last season, man. We had one more season. We had one more season in us. The beautiful thing is that on Lopez Lopez, it's uh, Bruce Helford, uh, the same executive producer that was on um, uh, George Lopez. And so I think in that way, what they were trying to do is have a little bit of closure as well and, 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 and showing a little bit of the pedigree as well. And hopefully what's going to happen is this show is going to go well. And then Mayan, after five or six years, she's going to go do another show because that's what we need to heal. We need George Lopez show successful. Lopez versus Lopez successful. Maya Lopez. Then, then the people with the greenbacks will open their eyes and go, okay, here comes the Latino market. All right, let's, let's do some more. Let's do some more. Let's do some more. And that'll open the door for everybody, man. Who's the best actor you've ever worked with? 
Oh my God, you're putting me on the spot. That's right, and I mean, I'm going to make this easy. I mean, you work with James A. Almost. I mean, Isai Morales is good. I mean, Jimmy Smith to me is one of my all-time favorite. They're actors. all good, man. Nah, they nah, 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 nah. Come on, give me good. one. Give me one. They're all extremely good. All right, but give me the one guy that I'll you give you, one. you vibe the best with. I think Don <laughs> Cheadle's phenomenal. The guy I vibe the best with, the guy I vibe the best with is George Lopez. Okay. He and I are on the same fight, man. We are, whatever we're smoking, it's the exact same thing we're smoking. <laughs> we're taking the exact same trip, right? He's the one I vibe the best with. The best actor I think I've ever worked with, uh, Albert Finney, probably. I did Aaron Brockovich. Albert yes. Finney played the lead lawyer in that. The most beautiful woman I've ever worked with, that's a toss-up between Sandra Bullock and, and, and uh, uh, obviously, uh, Julia Roberts. Este, the most beautiful man, well, I've worked with, with Clooney. I haven't worked with George Pitt, with uh, Pitt, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. People yet. tell me I look like the Dominican Brad Pitt. Yeah. Somebody who I think could do almost anything, well, I just worked with Jamie Foxx. And that guy, man... He can act upside down and backwards and drink in a glass of water and, and, and it would be enjoyable because it's, he just, he has, he's so, so talented. So, so talented. Um, who I think I would want to work with forever. I only could do with one person. One person. Wow. Wow. Uh, it, it would either have to be, it would either have to be Belita or George. It would be George or Belita. Got it. Those Got it. those two. Belita because she just Well, you saw her. Yeah. You saw her. And we'd be fighting the whole time and it'd be beautiful. We'd always be in conflict, it'd be beautiful. George and I, we'd constantly be having fun. Constantly be having fun. I I can't let you go without asking you about the Cowboys. Now you're big, <laughs> Listen, I'm one of these guys and I sit here. Every week when I do my football recap from the week before, right, I'm, not right. a big, I'm not a big Dak Prescott guy. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think right, that okay. I think he puts up a lot of stats, but I don't think he's a guy I can trust in the moment because I still feel right. that I'm paying him like he's Aaron Rodgers, but I'm getting uh, non-Aaron Rodgers production. Right. What are the Cowboys going to do, man? Are, are we going to see another Super Bowl before we die? We will. We will. And here's the deal. I think it's coming next year. Now, and this is why I feel this way. So Dak, think, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about Dak. I think he's really good. And I think the problem is his thumb. You, remember, he, he hurt his thumb. Correct. And if you pay attention to the last two or three games where he threw all those interceptions, at the very beginning of the game, his first, first three or four balls he throws, they're always floating. They float. It's like he can't grip his thumb hard enough. I don't think his thumb is well enough. Now, will it ever get well enough? Who knows? But I'm thinking at the beginning of next season, we'll see. If the first game or two, that ball is still floating, either his arm is done because because it got hurt, or you know he lost his psyche or whatever. He lost his ego, whatever it is. If you can't throw the ball on the line in the in National Football League, you're going to get intercepted. You get intercepted, you're going to lose games, no matter he, how good your defense he was, is. He was a turnover machine this year, which, and a lot which of those, to his credit, he had not some, been early in his career. And some of those weren't his fault. That one that one that lost the game, the, the, the ball hit the other dude in the chest and it bounced, and, and he had some of those. But you're going to have some of those, but that's fine. But here's the reason I feel 
um, good. Their defense, brother. Their defense is coming. Now, you remember when New York had that that linebacker guy? What was his name? Lawrence Taylor. Oh, my God. We got Micah. Now, I'm not, no, no, relax, New York. Relax. I'm not saying Micah Parsons is Lawrence Taylor. What I'm saying is that Micah Parsons can be as big an influence in the Dallas Cowboy defense as Lawrence Taylor was in the, in, in the Giants defense. Definitely as this. Yeah. Oh, my God. And once you got somebody like that, that frees everybody else up. That other defensive end on the other side, that linebacker, that, uh, that safety that doesn't have to come down anymore. And we've lost our corners. So we're getting one of our corners back. We got a good corner with Diggs. Sometimes he's too much of a hawk and they throw over his head. But that's okay. He's fast. He's going to fix that. And so the defense is really the reason that I'm really, really excited. And then the last reason, the two tackles. Remember what they just did? We had a, a, a rookie wor- working left tackle because our, our, our all-pro left tackle was injured. And then when he came back, instead of going to left tackle, he came to right tackle. Correct. If those two guys are healthy, and then the other two guys, dude, we're going to have a kick-ass offensive line. And then, wait, we traded Pollard, didn't we? We already no, traded pa- Pollard. No, 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 no. Pollard's still He's going to be a free agent now. But we I better think, not trade him. No, 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 no. I think they're going to end up tagging him. I think they're going to franchise tag him. Mm-hmm. Because I think it makes too much sense. You tag him, Zeke will be obviously he's done. Pollard's a lot better than Zeke mm-hmm. at this point, but yeah. you can't. Nobody's really, going to offer Zeke stuff. Yeah, you can't really get rid of him because the be, salary cap situation in the NFL is so crazy. No, 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 and he can stay. Yeah, and he can stay because nobody else is going to offer him. You're right. They're younger kids yeah. that are. That so are, you keep him yeah. around for one year, so that when you release him the following year, you don't take that same type of hit. Pollard mm-hmm, will still mm-hmm. make his money this year, and then you give Pollard mm-hmm. two or three more years, you pay him down the road. But you yep. know, you're more optimistic than I am. But <laughs> I do, but I am, I am, I do believe in our in our roster in a whole. I just wish, I just wish we had a little bit more consistent quarterback play for four quarters. Dak puts up a well, lot of you- numbers, but it always seems to be either in moments in games either early right. in the game or late in the game. And at the end of the game, you look up and his numbers show you something. But if you watch the game, he I feel he leaves too much meat on the bone. Yeah. Did we did we lose our, our offensive coordinator? Did what's yes, his name go? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And who's he our new to, one? He Do went you know? to San Diego. Yeah, uh, Schottenheimer they got. Again, listen, oh. I think that they said that um, – that, our head coach McCarthy's going to call plays now. They say, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. You never know what goes on. Whatever Jerry Jones right. wakes up, y lo que él sienta, well, that's, that's a real do. problem. <laughs> that's the real problem. The, the reason we haven't been back <coughs> for twenty years is because of Joe, freaking our, our owner. By the way, that's it's going on. Problem. By the way, it's going on thirty he, years. <laughs> you know what? He should have never fired Jimmy Johnson. Never, ever, ever fired Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson would have gotten him three more freaking Super Bowls. True, 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 true. Valente, man, you are a class act. I appreciate (laughs) you jumping on with me and, you know, taking 45 minutes of your time to, uh, you know, to come on and, and, you know, make, you know, make a, 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 a fun memory for me 
uh, as a fan of your acting, right? You know, I, 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 it's weird. I spent my whole life doing sports, covering team, but when I speak to actors or musicians and stuff like that, it's different for me. I don't feel the same way towards athletes than I do towards right. you guys. So I appreciate you and I respect your craft so much and, and, and everything. And thank you for the laughs. Oh, brother, you're welcome. And listen, Chingao, if the Cowboys ever go somewhere, a los, a los playoffs, Walgo, you need to have me on your show and we're going to talk Cowboy, Cowboys the whole freaking game. The hey, whole, uh, Valente, show we'll have you. Uh, listen, let's do this now. The, we don't have to worry about the playoffs because the Cowboys will be fine. The NFC stinks and there's no quarterbacks there. That's true. That let's true. do this. Before the season starts in September. Okay. I'll pop you up and we'll do Cowboys. Yeah. All right. That's beautiful. Hell yeah. That was Valente Rodriguez from the George Lopez Show and many other things joining me today. And you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other.